Welcome to the Atchison Public Librarians Podcast. I am Patrick Glancy, the children's librarian here at the Atchison Library, joined by my co-host, Kaya Boyd. This year during summer reading, we're going to give you several podcasts going over some themed folk tales and fairy tales. Um, basically, it has to happen with the ocean or a body of water. And <laughs> Our standards are real high and strict here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's because the theme of summer reading in 2022, which is this year, is Oceans of Possibilities. It is, and there are Oceans of Possibilities for you to earn extra entries into the grand prizes this year. One of the ways is by listening to this podcast. So stick around for the code word that you can use to claim your activity badge on Beanstack. Go to atchisonlibrary.beanstack.org to get started. Has that is Beanstack, not stock, by the way. Right. Has it come to that? Are we bribing people to listen to this now? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, we are. Fair enough. Whatever. Um, we're just going to be honest with ourselves here. Sure. But it will hopefully be entertaining and on topic. So there is that. So tell me about the lovely story that you've prepared for us. I think the story, or at least the premise of the story I've selected, is pretty familiar to most of our listeners. I went with the old standard of The Little Mermaid. Although I do... Is it the brutal original version? It is the Hans Christian Andersen version, which I don't know how many people who love the movie have actually read the story. It is a little different... That's like saying the Hunchback of Notre Dame didn't die at the end of the book. Right. I'm assuming you've seen the movie, the Disney movie. I've seen the movie and read several different versions. Yeah. My my sister was really into that movie, so we watched it a lot in my house. She had, like, the alarm clock. I feel like at one point we might have even had a Little Mermaid shower curtain. <laughs> I, I don't know why she was picking out the shower curtains, but whatever. Ours um, was all Toy Story. But... Much to my disappointment, there are no talking crabs in this story. The Hans Christian Andersen version starts out very similar, though. The mermaid, who I don't believe has a name in the story. I think she's just the little mermaid. I don't think there's any Ariel. Women's names aren't important. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So she lives under the ocean with her father, the mer-king, her grandma, her sisters. And the deal is... When a mermaid gets to be 15 years old, they can go up to the surface, have a peek around. Not talking about transforming into a person. They just get to literally (laughs) poke their head above water and see what's going on. It's like, oh, that's what the sun looks like, not through the filter of ocean. (laughs) Anyway, they sit around down under the ocean. They don't sing songs that I know of, but they do talk about how great it is up there. The little mermaid, she turns 15... She goes up there, has a peek around, sees She's a hot guy. Pretty much. I don't think he has a name in the story either. What's his name in the movie? Eric. He just had that like that. Well, it's because too many people I know were named Eric because of that movie. Really? Yeah. That was a thing. One of my best friends was named Eric because of that movie. Huh. They're like, oh, he's so dreamy. Like, well, whatever. I, I did not know couldn't that. Couldn't even recognize the chick once he was not suffering from, you know, almost being drowned. Well, you're jumping ahead in the story because at this <laughs> point, at this point, the prince is out on his on his yacht, I'm assuming. That's how I'm picturing it. On a pleasure I, cruise. And they're, they're partying it up. It's his birthday. And then shipwrecks. 
He falls over. He's unconscious. He's drowning. She pulls him up, takes him to shore by this little temple, saves him, hangs around to make sure he's okay, but he never actually sees her. What he does see is this beautiful lady coming from the temple with her ladies-in-waiting, and so he assumes that she saved him. And apparently, she never disabuses him of this notion. Because why would you? Yeah, I mean, you save... She's a gold digger. You stumble upon... She's actually not in this story, though. (laughs) Because doesn't it turn out in the movie that she is... Does she even exist in the movie? No. Yeah, okay. Ursula's the one in the movie that pops out later to try to trick him. Speaking of Ursula, again, you're getting ahead of the story. The Sea Witch. Keep bringing up the movie. I'm going (laughs) to keep bringing up examples. The Sea Witch, anyway, in the Mm -hmm. book, or story... Um, is not named Ursula. She just goes by Sea Witch. Disappointing. Yeah. What are you going to do? Anyway, she goes to the Sea Witch, makes a deal. You know this part of the story. It's basically... Well, the premise of this trade is in the movie. She trades her voice to be able to have legs and go up on the shore and get to meet With the prince. With a caveat. Right. That seems like a pretty fair trade to me. You're giving up your voice. That's a pretty big deal. But it's not that simple. The sea witch is like, oh, um, your legs are going to hurt anytime you walk on them, like knives stabbing into your body. And because uh, yeah, and but you'll you'll be this great dancer. You'll have this. You'll great... just be crying the entire time, right? Showing it's off like the dance moves. Pretty much, you're gonna have to hide your face because this is gonna be extremely painful. But you are going to be awesome at it. <laughs> Here's the potion. Every skill I have. (laughs) Here's the potion. Take it if you will. Well, she goes up, drinks the potion, and it's basically like... You've seen an interview with a vampire, right? Where they have to die before... It's sort of... It sounds sort of similar to that. Like, it's extremely painful. Fishtail goes. Legs show up. Okay. Here's the deal. So mermaids live for 300 years, but they don't have souls. Humans live for a much shorter amount of time, but they have souls. And if they're good, they can go to heaven. You know the story. She can earn a soul if she can convince the prince to fall in love with her. Who bestows the soul? Who's making this judgment? I assume God. I mean, so they we're never talking re- God with also sea witches in the same uh, yeah headcanon okay. I, I mean i guess so so she hangs out with the prince all the time they become best buds he loves just watching her dance which is basically torture for her he just is creeping watching her dance around in circles what's her does does it say her exact uh like role in the the palace no she's just basically she's just a kept woman that he keeps around so yeah i mean i think the idea is he thinks he's she washed up on shore from like some shipwreck she can't tell him because apparently she's i guess mermaids probably wouldn't be literate i don't know there's a lot of reading and writing going going on under the ocean i don't see how you would so that makes sense right thank you for explaining that possibility (laughs) way he just sits around watching her dance, which is extremely painful her, for her and just kind of weird, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he never falls in love with her, though. And eventually his dad, the king, comes to him and is like, son, I've arranged for you to marry this 
princess from another land. It'll be great alliance, all that. And he's like, I can't marry her. I can only marry for love, of course. But the only, the only woman he loves is the woman who rescued him, which we know is the mermaid, but she can't tell him that. He thinks it's the lady from the temple. The lady from the temple is going to look real bad in this story, isn't she? Actually, no. Oh, okay, good. His dad is like, whatever, son. I'm the king. I'm calling the shots. You're getting married. She's on her way here right now. She shows up. <laughs> it's the lady from the temple. And he's like, oh, my gosh, this is great. Let's get married right now. And so they get married, and they set out on their little honeymoon cruise. And the poor mermaid is along for the ride. And she's just... Third wheel in it? Yeah. I mean, well, I'm sure she's... She's probably part of, like, the household staff, although I don't think it ever specifies, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure she has to earn a living somehow besides dancing. Although maybe she's doing that. Maybe they just like she's to watch her dance. Yeah. <laughs> so she's, her heart's breaking. She's watching all this. And then all of a sudden, one night, the prince and his princess go off to bed, and she's looking over the side of the ship, and her grandma and her sisters pop up, and they're all bald. They've sold their hair to the sea witch for a magic dagger. If she cuts the prince's throat. Metal. And and lets his blood drip on her feet. She'll return to mermaid form, get her voice back. She can come back to the ocean. Bomb. So she walks. Let's do this. She creeps into the bedroom. And they're all snug as a bug and in the bed and. Yeah, that's right. I said snug as a bug. (laughs) I dislike everything about the sentence that you just said, but continue. So she stands over him with a knife. And then she she just can't do it. She's like, he might not ever love me, but I love him. And she tosses, tosses the knife into the ocean and then just jumps in herself. And then she turns into sea foam right away because she's cursed. She dies. Except she doesn't. Because at the last second, these things called the Daughters of the Air, which I guess are sort of like spirits or whatever, take her in and she becomes one of them and feels like the sun shining on her molecules or I, I don't know. And she's able to, like, rise up as this invisible creature into the air. And the deal is, she can stay as a daughter of the air, which was the original title for the story before he changed it to The Little Mermaid. And of course. If she helps people through good deeds as a daughter of the air for 300 years, she'll gain a soul and can go to heaven. Which is the end game. Yes, that is how the story ends. There's some controversy about it. Um, it's as this, far as well. It's turned. It's this really cool little dark tale for most of it, and then it turns into basically Victorian moralizing at the end. Mm-hmm. I, I guess a lot of uh, famous writers have had issues with it. It, it is kind of a cop out ending, I think. A yeah. Little bit. It's, it's kind of like when they save Harry Potter at the end of Harry Potter when he should have died. Like, oh, she, you know, deus ex machina it away out of the... I think we've come far <laughs> enough that, that book I don't have to only spoiler came out like Harry Potter. Nearly 20 years ago. Don't say that. That makes me feel old. 
<laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Like, somebody had to come in and save her at the last second. Just let her right. turn into sea foam. It's the more dramatic and poignant. Right. Ending. It fits with the overall dark tone of the story. And, you Until know. you get to a weird, like, angel stand-in at the end saving her out of nowhere they, yeah did, were they mentioned in the book at all before or no, the story at all no. before that I'm, point i'm pretty sure the first mention is like when it happens to her at the end yeah like, that feels really weird i'm yeah. kind of on the writers yeah well studiers side. that brings me to my little tangent that i just wanted to touch on i don't want to take up too much time on this a lot of writers through the years have had issues with how the story ends but one writer in particular really hated Hans Christian Andersen <laughs> personally. Which usually makes for the best content. Yeah, his name was Charles Dickens. You've probably heard of him. <laughs> now, full disclosure, I despise Charles Dickens. His work, I cannot stand. We had to read Great Expectations in high school. It's Basically, you feel towards Dickens as I feel towards uh, Moby Dick. Or Dickens himself feels towards Hans Christian Andersen. Or, yeah, basically. Which is why I delight in telling you this. So they <laughs> met at a party in 1847, and you get the sense that, you know, they're both fairly famous writers at that point, and Dickens is being polite, even though he's a jerk otherwise in most accounts. He's nice to him at this party. Hans goes back to Denmark, and he starts writing letters to Dickens. Like, for nine years, oh, he's... Oh, I think I've heard of this before. <laughs> yes. I'm starting to remember. Okay, yeah. Dickens, I guess because it's just a, a staple of society at the time, if someone writes you a letter, even if you don't want it, I guess you have to answer back, you at least if he's a it. fellow famous writer. Yeah. So he, like, sarcastically says in one letter, like, yeah, if you're ever around England again, feel free to stop by. Oh, no, and he actually does? Yeah. he's like you he, he like, offer. He, like, writes him back. He's like, actually, I have to come to England for a fortnight. I'll take you up on that. He doesn't stay for a fortnight, by the way. He stays for, like, three weeks beyond that. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm he, almost on Dickens' side here. You should be. <laughs> But because Dickens is such a jerk, like uh, it's just enjoyable to read this. But anyway, so they're expecting him. They don't not really looking forward to him arriving. Yeah. So, but they're expecting him. They make up a room for him. He gets there. The first thing he does. This is great. He's like he asks Dickens' son to give him a, a fresh shave because. Apparently, according to Hans Christian Andersen, that's the norm in Denmark for house guests is like the host's son. To get a shave from the guy's son? Right. What What if he doesn't have a son? Who does it? I, I assume it's your host. Although, I don't know that this is a real thing. <laughs> I... Was he just trolling? Was he hardcore trolling Charles Dickens back in the 1840s? I don't think so, because he's a legit weirdo. Like, there's stuff we cannot cover about him on a public library podcast, <laughs> but he's a weirdo. Dickens feels this immediately, oh, no. and is like, no, I'm going to make you an appointment down at, a, at an actual at barber. An actual barber. You know, we'll have a standing appointment there for you. Yeah. Then they go to, like, some big ball or party or whatever and there's a bunch of lovely young ladies standing over at the side oh, no. and dickens walks up you know the esteemed rider and he holds out his arm for one of them to come up and take it hans 
swoops in there, takes him by the arm, and makes him lead him into the party. <laughs> Wait, he he grabbed Dickens' arm? Yeah, yeah. And, like, palled him in? Pretty much, yeah. Wh- Why is he so weird? I He's so socially awkward. I, I mean, same, but... <laughs> And he's, like, highly sensitive. He takes everything the wrong way and gets all pouty. He's always, like, picking flowers and stuff, and he makes, like, a little flower chain. No. And that he, Wilkie Collins comes over, and he puts it on his hat. And Wilkie Collins, I guess, is just being a nice guy. And he's like, oh, thank you. And he starts walking around town, and immediately everyone starts mocking him. For his flowers? Yes. I mean, (laughs) fair. It's just funny to me because I especially don't like Dickens. Like I don't think so, I probably would have liked Hans Christian Andersen the person either, and I sympathize with him. Oh no, he sounds him. like way too much. Oh yeah. Did Dickens write in particular about the Little Mermaid? No, okay. no, I, I don't think he so had. He like, never outwardly like wrote down like, dude, this story is crud, or he didn't obviously criticize his writing. No, he he didn't seem to have like a major issue, unlike the other writers we were mentioning, which, you know, I use that as a launching pad to get to Dickens just because I thought this was a funny story. Uh, After he left, finally, which was three weeks later than originally scheduled, three weeks. Like, that doesn't sound like a lot. That's so long. Imagine fully long. We've all had annoying house guests at one point, and imagine if they stayed. Five weeks, basically. He put up a note on uh, the guest room saying that Hans Christian Andersen slept in this room for five weeks. You know, almost like a mini plaque, but it had like a little addendum. And it was like, which to the family seemed like ages. (laughs) Can I get one of those for my guest room? Like guests that I don't want to come back and then just the list of all the people who have wronged me through the years. It seems like fairly consistent with Charles Dickens' (laughs) character. Um, He was kind of a butt. Yeah. Also, I don't like reading any of his writing. No, it's terrible. I know some people love it. And I know that it's significant, like social commentary. It's great. But it's so long-winded because everybody was writing for length back then because it would get published in Mm -hmm. stages in the newspapers and booklets. And so you got paid more. And so it's just painfully long and drawn out. Yeah, it's... it's, I can't uh, take it. And the the accents and uh, just uh, the whole... uh, How many times can we go... uh, (laughs) But but uh, I will bring this full circle. (laughs) I will say this in my humble opinion... The only thing good to come out of Charles Dickens' work is Disney's A Christmas Carol, which I think is the best uh, Christmas cartoon ever made, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Okay, I was waiting for it. I was like, which adaptation Oh, it's the Mickey Mouse one. You know, it's like 20 minutes, so it cuts out all the filler. Yeah. And, you know, it's got Jiminy Cricket. and My favorite adaptation is the Muppet one. That's a good one. The Disney one's shorter. It's got great animation. And so I've successfully, as you can see, brought this back to Disney, which is where we started this with <laughs> The Little Mermaid. We noticed a few Circles differences. and roundabouts. <laughs> we brought it back eventually. <laughs> yeah, there's a few differences. That one's almost as harshly dissimilar as 
Cinderella where the sisters actually have to like dance around with their feet and mm-hmm. flaming iron shoes as punishment for being jerks, I guess. I'm kind of disappointed that the tale I'm doing wasn't ever adapted by Disney. I kind of get why it wasn't though because it would fit more with the kind of movies they've been making lately though. Cuz so it's saying? it's more about girl power and like it's not just about the the love story. So you're saying it could be a Pixar movie in the near future? Oh my gosh. Could you imagine if DreamWorks made this one? DreamWorks <laughs> makes the best adventure. Do they? Cartoons. Yes. Okay. This particular story is a Jewish tale. Jewish slash Polish, technically. But the earliest version of it was recorded by a rabbi, Nachman. And it's kind of surprising because this is a pretty progressive tale and feminist tale for the time. It was written somewhere between 1772 to 1810. That's when he was, was alive. So that's a, the, the range we're looking at, which for this type of story is pretty impressive because the princess in this love story is the one who does all of the action. Okay. Which you don't get very often and is pretty hilarious once you get into the nitty gritty. It starts off pretty normally. Two kings can't have babies and they go to the equivalent of a fertility doctor back then. She's a wizard. And um, (laughs) they are both climbing up the mountain towards this wizard to ask, how do I have a baby? Oh, he lives on a mountain. All right. Yeah. And they meet each other up and they're like, I can't have kids. I can't have kids either. Whoa. And they're like, well, if this works out, we should get our kids married. And they're like, cool. So they go up and the rab, the, the, the rabbi, the, the wizard. Do you think rabbis are wizards? (laughs) Fight me. No. So this wizard's like, you're both going to have a kid. Just go home. But you need to let them get married because if you prevent them from living happily ever after, there's going to be great amounts of suffering and sadness. So Wait, uh, is he saying you have to let them get married to whoever? No, to each other. Sorry. Oh, so that will be yes. happiness? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Let your kids get married. Everybody will be happy. Everything's fine. If you prevent the marriage or anything stands in their way, there's going to be suffering and sadness. Gotcha. So they agree. The kings, they go home, and they each, as promised, have a kid. One boy, one girl. And they end up sending these kids to a college, kind of. It's a school, which is another thing. This girl is actually educated similarly to the prince and can speak several languages. But they meet at school. They fall in love. They don't have any idea about the previous agreement. So Mm -hmm. it works out kind of nicely because they do like each other. They go back home and the prince comes to visit the princess's kingdom. He's like, dude, can I marry your daughter? And the king remembers because apparently he forgot about this agreement. Yeah. He's like, oh, dang, I promised my girl to this kid. But I also was already planning on marrying her off to this other dude who has a lot of money. <sighs> of Why course. Why are kings such idiots in they're stories? They're really bad at stuff. I mean, as a as a historian, amateur historian. You know, <laughs> I like how you backpedaled that a little bit. <laughs> they're 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 kind of idiots a lot of times in real life, too. But... Maybe it tracks. Never mind. Go ahead. You're like, this is... Oh, wait, no, it's not weird at all. This is this happens all the time. So, yes, the king's being pretty dumb. And he tells the kid, yeah, yeah, you can marry her. That's fine. You just stay over here in this part of my castle. 
and I'll let you meet her, meet up with her later. I'm going to go tell her, break the news. He doesn't Red tell flag. her. And he's kind of just like keeping the dude over there. But of course, there are servants and other people in the castle. And they hear word that each other are in the same building. And so they meet up one night and they decide they're going to elope. And they do scale that wall princess bride style and they hop on a ship one of his buddy's ships and they sail just off into the to distance cruising by. Okay. yeah well um his buddy was visiting i don't know the exact details <laughs> of that what the dude was doing there but it was one of his buddy's ships he takes it they sail off together they didn't take a lot with them because they're eloping so like man i'm hungry they stop at an island and they get out and they're looking for food and she climbs a tree to get them some fruit but from there, she can see that another ship has pulled up next to theirs. And there are men disembarking mm-hmm. and coming up looking for them. And she go, and they see her. And so they know that she's there. She says, go hide and don't do anything. Don't say anything. Don't let them know that you're here. So it turns out to be a group of merchants. And the captain of this ship, he is the son of the guy who owns all of the merchant ships. And he sees her in the tree and immediately is like, hey, I'm going to marry you. And she says, sure, sounds great, because everything's dangerous when you're a woman in the past or now. Anyway, (laughs) so she agrees, gets on his ship. She's like, let's party. We're not going to get married, though, until we get home, because we have to be with your family. Sure. So he takes her back. They just leave the prince there on that island. He takes her back to his home. And she says, hey, how about you go ahead, get your family, break the news, because I'm sure they're going to be excited, but just in case, and I'll stay here on the ship, you come back with them. So he goes home to do so, and she gets all of his men drunk, dumps them onto the deck, and just sails off with his ship, full of all of the goods that he had just retrieved Mm -hmm. for his father. Nice. So impressive feat number one, she sails a ship all by herself. Mm. And at this point, she has stolen all of the goods that this merchant's kid brought home so she's working as hard as she can sailing the ship trying to get back to where she was sorry to interrupt okay sorry go ahead that's another thing that doesn't make a lot of sense like he's got this foretold fiance for his daughter the king does who's also royalty and he's like going for a merchant he wasn't I I don't think it was a merchant I just think it was like another whoever eligible bachelor dude that he had matched her up with already and he's like oh man now I gotta figure out which one I'm gonna go back on Mm -hmm. probably the kid who has decided he's in love with her and I've not actually yeah let's go against the prophecy and true love obviously I think if you you're an amateur historian (laughs) you know indeed I am you know Greek historical stories and the prophecies are never listened to that's true we've learned enough from cassandra here she's sailing the ship away from the merchant and she kind of doesn't know where they went or came from so she's trying to get back to the island to pick up her fiance at this point and a ship comes out of the land and comes to meet her she's like oh crap here we go again and here indeed we go again because Mm -hmm. this ship had that kingdom's king on it And he pulls up, he's like, hey, there's this chick sailing a boat by herself. I'm going to marry you. (laughs) So she's like, okay, this is not predatory or terrifying at all. So she goes back 
to the kingdom and she says i'll marry you but we have to have this huge wedding that's going to take a while to plan and i want 11 of your finest men's daughters as my retinue or whatever you know maids ladies in waiting gotcha um so he gets her all the girls and he's planning this huge wedding and one night she's like girls you know what would be fun is if we went and partied on the ship that i sailed in here because you know you've never been on a ship before right and they were like ah yeah great so they go to the i I think we established in my story that the place to party is on a boat is on a boat (laughs) so they go off on a boat and they all start partying she again gets all of these girls drunk this time (laughs) this is a little problematic gets them drunk sails the boat away essentially kidnaps 11 women and she takes them off and they kind of all learn to sail and they hit a really big storm so they learned quickly but they managed to keep themselves afloat and they got to this island where they decide to get off and get some you know provisions things sure, that they you've need got to. and another boat full of men pulls mm. up on this island a lot of boat traffic in this part of the world. I know, right? <laughs> There's just a lot of boats full of very misogynistic men pulling up. The problem this time, though, is it is a boat full of 12 pirates. 12 this pirates? Is a straight pirate ship. All okay. Right. And the pirate ship, they all disembark and they find the 11 ladies. They're like, we're going to rob you and probably kill you. And the princess goes, hey, we're pirates too. We're cool. We actually stole all of this stuff, right, ladies? I'm like, yeah, we stole all this <laughs> stuff. We're pirates too. She goes, better idea. 12 of us, 12 of you. As Let's I all won- get married. I wondered if this was turning into, an, into a seven brides for yeah. seven brothers thing. <laughs> Straight up. Only <laughs> with less of the men stealing the women. And in this case, the women getting one over on the men because there you go. Let's celebrate. We're all going to get married. And they get all of the men drunk and then kill them. And <laughs> so I, this is the so only part of the story. So if I just get people drunk, I can pretty much solve yeah. all my problems? Is the moral of the story <laughs> on accident. But they officially outwit these 12 men. Um, they kill all the pirates, which in their defense the pirates probably would have killed them or worse too. So I don't condone pirate I, I think you're reaching a little bit there to let them off the hook, but okay. It's a story. <sighs> it's I'll, a, I'll, it's I'm a with it. Ragtag bunch of very well-off ladies who have recently learned how to pirate. So let's give them some slack. I, I like their enthusiasm. Yes. After they kill all of the pirates, they take all the pirates booty as well. And sail off into the distance to seek their fortunes, disguised as men. Wait, So, what, what about the guy stuck on the island? Are they just... She's still trying to get back to the dude, but this is what she has to do to get back to her dude. Just questioning the sense of urgency as well. If I was stuck on the island. If you had an opportunity to put off marriage and become a pirate leader... I mean, I probably would do it, sure, yeah. but, you know put myself in the uh becoming a female in an early marriage in the past or disguising yourself as a man and becoming a pirate ship captain okay i get it i'm just saying putting myself in the place of a guy on the (laughs) island i'm like let's step to it come on tired of eating coconuts (laughs) 
I'd be tired too. Coconuts are gross. Exactly. Unpopular opinion. She sails off with the ladies. They're trying to find, they're trying to get back to where her man has been marooned on an island or at least find him, right? Because at this point she doesn't know if he's still there. And they pull up to a kingdom and there's a bunch of people gathered in the center of this city. So they kind of blend into the crowd. They're all disguised as men anyway. And they're milling around trying to find out what happened. And it turns out that the king had recently died without an heir. So they don't have any children. Yeah. Political power struggles, never a great thing. But for some reason, it's better instead of just letting the queen rule for a while in this kingdom to throw the king's crown out into the crowd of people and whichever man it lands on becomes the king. Okay. God forbid you have a woman (laughs) ruling it. They throw the crown out. And it smacks the princess in the head. And remember, she's disguised as a man. So they're all like, all right, I'll hail the king. They bury the old one, (laughs) crown the new one. And the queen's like, you know, I'm a little old. So instead of marrying me, you can marry the advisor's daughter. She's like, cool, okay. And so she tells the advisor's daughter what's going on. It's like, dude, I'm actually a girl and I'm trying to find you know, make my way in the world and find the guy that I'm engaged to. And so they set up a fun little ruse where they're going to put off the wedding and cover for each other. And the princess tells everybody in the town to put pictures of her face in drag, though. Like, she's still dressed as a man. But they're going to put pictures of her face all over the city. And then she puts out a ruling that if anybody reacts to those pictures emotionally, they have to get arrested and brought before her for judgment. Okay. Very weird kind of thing to make as your first command as king queen. Is this going somewhere? Yes, it is. (laughs) And eventually it works, and three men are brought before her crying and screaming. The first one tells his story, and it was the merchant's son, and he was turned out by his dad for letting a girl steal an entire shipment worth of goods. Yeah, and he'd been looking for her this entire time, and she goes, here, you can have my ship that's now full of all of those goods and all the stuff I stole from the pirates that we murdered. (laughs) Take that back home. Your family will be fine. But remember this the next time you try to force a random girl that you find on an island to marry you. Always it's not a good cool, lesson bro. to learn. Yeah. The second man was the king that she had told she would marry. And he had been turned out by all of his nobles because he let all of their daughters get stolen. I could see that happening, yeah. Yeah. So he lost his crown because he let her run off with all of the women and she says well here are all the girls they're super cool now because they're pirates and they know how to sell a ship you guys want to go home yeah i technically stole you okay so they all go home with the king and he can go back to ruling his little kingdom with you know the lesson that maybe he shouldn't force random women to marry him still got and think. be a little bit more aware of what he's doing i gotta think his uh, throne is a little shaky though moving forward that's all i'm saying The third guy who reacted to her pictures is the prince that she was in love with. He's been traveling the world one step behind her, following all of her antics. Wait a minute. Yeah. And then he saw her picture and immediately broke into tears. And she's like, oh, my God, it's you. And he's like, oh, my God, it's you. And because she has now outed herself as a woman, the kingdom and the people in it, Kind of like, well, we still need somebody to rule, and you guys seem fair and 
just she murdered a bunch of pirates but like yeah there's no uh compensation for the pirates in this story no is there? they do not get a happy have you learned your lesson mm. here's your stuff back um they are pirates though in her defense so basically they give the prince and the princess the kingdom they get married they start ruling together hopefully they're a little bit less misogynistic after that so do they have like um, a big old empire then because they both come from kingdoms do they inherit those or it they doesn't just... say that they even go back hmm. and i mean that kind of fits though because the prophecy was that there would be a bunch of suffering and problems and they were kept apart for a long time both of the kingdoms lost their heirs right and even though eventually they got together and they were happy, they also had like this trail of like the merchant's son and the king and the 11 girls who were technically kind of kidnapped. The dead pirates. There was plenty of <laughs> the 12 guys who just got murdered and left on an island. Misunderstood souls. Ugh, those poor dudes. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, there was a lot of suffering that came just because the stupid kings couldn't keep their promises. Well, actually, it sounds like his dad was was a. Yeah, I mean, we maybe he was an idiot too. Yeah, like maybe he should have pushed a little more. But yeah. uh, other than that, like he comes off looking a little better, I guess. Yeah. Even in absentia. I think in the original though, it does state that like both kings forgot their promises, which I feel like if you went to see a wizard fertility doctor and it, were told you have to let your kids get married you would remember something like that now granted i've never done that but it seems like the kind of life event that would stick around in my head for Even a while if you have because don't get me wrong having a newborn completely destroys your brain <laughs> i would forget i forget plenty all right however sure it does seem like something that should stick Right. Especially when the future of your kingdom depends on it. and the moral of the story is don't cross wizards I think right? the moral of the story <laughs> is that this princess should be made president because obviously <laughs> she's got some chops. Although she might try to solve all of her problems by getting the enemy drunk. It's got a track record of success. <laughs> it worked for her. <laughs> so two very different stories. One where a girl gets kind of undercut on the high seas. Yeah, I, I think very opposing stories. Like yours is very progressive, very almost feminist take to it. Whereas mine, like it sort of works out for the best in the end, I guess, for the Little Mermaid. But yeah. really, she just gets piled on. And yeah. granted, she makes some questionable decisions herself. But, you know, she gets kind of a rough play there. And Definitely. She turns into a seafoam for a dude. Yeah. And 300 years as mist in the air or what, whatever they're really supposed to be. Like, that's got to drag. <laughs> whatever the daughters of the air are made of. Yeah. If you would like to claim the badge for listening to one of our podcasts, which good for you for making it this far, by the way, you put in the phrase wizard and you will be able to claim that badge. But don't forget that there will be more of these podcasts coming out through summer reading, so you can continue to get some super random and probably slightly ridiculous stories Absolutely. from your favorite librarians. <laughs> well, if there's a couple we librarians well. at least. Again, thanks for listening, and we will see you in a week. Hello.